0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is for you. Wherever you happen to be right now, this is the Results Matter Podcast. Today, I'm being joined by Business Resources One, VP of Talent Acquisition, Heather Woodruff. Heather leads a team of talent acquisition specialists who recruit both hourly and salaried positions for clients across the country. Heather's team targets both active and passive candidates combined with a number of marketing techniques to help business leaders find enough of the right people. I've asked Heather to talk on the podcast today, mostly about targeting passive candidates, because I think that's really where a lot of companies come up short. I've had the privilege of working closely with Heather over the last few years. Her background experience includes a unique combination of marketing, management, and talent acquisition. Heather does a great job leading her team and helping her clients. I think you're really gonna enjoy this conversation and hopefully take something away that helps your organization. This is the Results Matter Podcast. Hi Heather, how are you?
1: I'm good, Mike, how are you doing?
0: Good, thanks for coming and talking to us today about recruiting.
1: It's my pleasure.
0: So let's just jump right into it. What is the difference between recruiting active and passive candidates?
1: Yeah, so your active candidates are the people that are out there who are looking for jobs, whether that is having conversations with people, they have their resume actively out, they have their status on LinkedIn turned on. Um, Those are those people that are ready to make a move. So uh, your passive candidates are ones that are typically already in a job, they're comfortable, they like where they work, and they are not actively pursuing a different career or a different company.
0: So active recruiting is going after passive candidates and passive recruiting is going after active candidates. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's right. And that sounds so confusing when you're saying it. And even when I'm talking in normal conversation, I've had moments where I reverse the two. Um, But yeah, active recruiting is going after those passive candidates. So if you're actively looking for someone who's passive, you're actively looking for people who are not out there in any way, shape or form looking for that position.
0: So one, one way is like hunting, one way is like fishing. You know, if we go out and we just post jobs online and wait for people to apply, that would be fishing, I guess. Mm-hmm. And hunting would be your, your active recruiting, which is finding passive candidates.
1: Yeah, and that, it becomes really important because about 75% of employees out there are are, are passive candidates. So they're, they're candidates that are not in the pool that you might be commonly looking in like whether it's a job board on indeed um, or even just their updated statuses like we mentioned on linkedin there is nothing to indicate that they might be moving so you do have to hunt for those people
0: heather should people be doing one or the other or maybe a combination of both
1: Um, i really think a combination of both is required there's a couple things to look at you want to balance it equally amongst making sure you're finding the right highly qualified candidates that match up with the company and the position that you're putting them in, and that company and position adds value to them. But you also need to make sure that you're recruiting in a fashion that uh, helps support the growth of the company that you are recruiting for. And so sometimes you have to employ both because your active candidates are going to convert a little bit faster than your passive candidates.
0: Would I, would I be wrong if I assume that most people out there, most small businesses, even maybe large businesses, most of their recruiting is active candidates, so they're doing a lot of job posting, screening those resumes and applications, setting up interviews, just very traditional. Is that safe to say that that's most of what goes on?
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree that it is. I think quite often um, most recruiters are trained uh, really highly on active Uh, candidates but not as much on how to source those passive candidates Um, so it can be both a struggle from the standpoint of uh, whether or not they know how to do it and it's also very because it can be time-consuming it's also one of those items that people sometimes have a hard time balancing and figuring out how they should work both of those things together in order to be successful
0: some of it could be resources right so like a small business owner or a, a manager a business leader whatever They might not have the time or the resources to go out and find people who aren't even looking for a job. Um, So they're kind of stuck with just posting jobs online.
1: Absolutely. In fact, I would say that's a large percentage of folks, if they're wearing multiple hats, then they are going to rely on those active candidates in order to fill their openings because they don't have the time to dedicate to passive candidate research.
0: So I was thinking if, if someone's going to go out and find passive candidates, so again, those are the candidates that they're not even looking for a job, you know, someone's going to reach out to them and try to entice them to come work somewhere else. Um, for someone to do that and to be effective, they would first have to have a, an ideal candidate profile. So they'd have to know what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about an ideal candidate profile and why that's so important.
1: Yeah, so a lot of people look at those. Ideal candidate profiles should be made up of more than just the technical skill set. So when you are trying to put something together so you are really finding the right fit for the position or the company that you're searching for, you also want to include things like optimal characteristics. Um, You want to make sure that you're looking at that company's uh, vision, mission, core values to make sure you're aligning the uh, candidates up with the company. Uh, And you're also looking to see what is the value add on both sides of that relationship to make sure that that candidate's going to support the growth and success of the company, but the company will also be able to support the success and growth of that candidate in the way that they're looking to grow, because that can be very different, right? From candidate to candidate, that can vary. So you kind of want to find out what is is it that they highly value.
0: So it sounds like common sense, but I would bet that most people... Are going out and recruiting, whether they're doing active candidates or passive candidates, I would bet that they're going out without a real clear understanding of what they're even looking for. Like mm-hmm. they might know that they want, a, they want a crew leader or they want a, a controller for a finance department or whatever it might be, but a lot of people I bet haven't even put together, you know, what's that look like? What's that person? You know, what's mm-hmm. their experience? What's their. Education. What's their background? What kind of personality are we going for? All that kind of stuff. Um, is that is that fair, or am I being too hard on people? You think?
1: <laughs> you know, I'm sure there's everybody's out there's got great intentions to put together the exact fit of what they need for a job. There's no business out there that I think is trying to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand where you're coming from when you say, "Are we getting you know all of those things ready every time we go to talk to a candidate?" I do believe. Uh, A lot of companies stop at the point of that job description which usually just includes the technical skills um, and exactly what they might be responsible for every once in a while um, you'll get into maybe some things that you might like for that person to be whether that's um, you know highly responsible you want them to have leadership you want them to have good communication uh, but you don't necessarily delve into What kind of person is going to fit your team? What kind of person do you need to bring onto that company to really make that uh, role successful as opposed to just somebody who can complete the role to the minimum satisfaction?
0: One of my go-to lines is that no organization can grow faster than its ability to recruit and retain enough of the right people. Mm -hmm. Um, Recruit and retain enough of the right people. Talk about the difference in finding people and compared to finding the right people.
1: Yeah, so I really look at it as, um, I like to say, is almost like matchmaking. We have to, as recruiters or talent acquisition specialists, look to be an advocate for both sides. So we really need to find out who that candidate is. What kind of environment do they like to work in? Um, What is it that they want to gain from that company, whether it's growth, additional education, opportunities, giving back to the community? What is it that they want as an added value benefit? Um, Are they a person who likes a dynamic workplace? Um, or not. And find those things out about them. And then also make sure we're doing our research on the opposite side with the company to find out, like we just talked about, with the deeper items that are past just what the job description says. What are the optimal characteristics? What team are you about to put them on? What are your major pan- pain points that you need this person to help with in order to try to match make and 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 create the most successful situation possible so that you're not just placing a body in the role or a person who might be able to perform the job but somebody who can actually stay longer with that that company because they're both going to get added value back to themselves while adding to the company's success.
0: Sure. I always tell people that recruiting is more of a sales function than a management function Mm-hmm. You know, to be a really, really good recruiter or a talent acquisition specialist, as you called it. Um, sales skills are probably more beneficial than your traditional supervisor, manager, leader type skills, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, I really like this, and you know, comparison between the two roles and I'll tell you why. When I look at recruitment as a sales function, um, I look at how am I going to qualify that candidate Um, just like you would qualify someone else that you're going to work with. I want to look at um, whether or not it's a good partnership for both sides. Is it that kind of win-win scenario that we talk about um, having so that both people are winning in the scenario, the company and the candidate, Um, and making sure that there is good communication, there is going to be good growth opportunities. So what is that ongoing value piece going to be? And we do that in business too. Is this somebody, once we get them on board, can we support them?
0: No, I don't think anybody would tell you that finding the right candidate isn't ideal. But I don't know if you know this, Heather, but we're in the middle of what everyone's calling a labor crisis. Um, we could argue about what has caused that or if it's ever gonna get any better. Mm-hmm but leaving that aside for the moment, things are difficult out there. It is very challenging to find people. What do you say to folks that that would say, Heather, I agree, I would love to find the best people, but right now I just need people?
1: Yeah, I would say that um, you will, if you just go after people instead of finding the right people and having a little more patience and finding out some alternative solutions, to making it through this difficult time when you don't have that right person, you're putting yourself or setting yourself up into a cycle of repetition. You're going to end up hiring a person, put them into your staff, lose them sooner than you wanted to, and you're going to incur both the cost and the issue of um, time loss for anybody who's involved in that process. So they're all of a sudden donating more time to recruitment and training and all of the other things, growth and everything else that comes with that, uh, instead of focusing on the things that you really want them spending their day on in order to increase the success and and maybe the the growth of the company.
0: So in terms of difference in results, if you're you're going after passive candidates, so a man or a woman who's working somewhere already, and you were to reach out to them and try to entice them to come somewhere else – that's difficult, you know, that's not easy. You know, you're, you're, I guess your batting average isn't gonna be as high in terms of quantity of applications received from a job posting. I think that would be fair to say. Um, but would I be reaching to say that those candidates are better?
1: The candidates um, that we go after passively, I don't know if I would say better, I would say well worth the effort. Sometimes you can find some really great candidates actively searching that are going to match your profile. They're going to be great employees for you you to have. They just ended up in an organization that didn't match them. Sure. Um, And you get to grab those guys back. But when it comes to that passive recruit, what the benefit is is you have a higher um, chance that this person is going to have some key qualities that you want in every single employee that you have, whether that is dependability, um, whether that is ownership of their job, accountability. When people are are taking ownership and are self-aware and they function at a high level at their current position now, then you already have an aspect of their personality that's going to roll over into your organization without you having to train that up or see if that person possesses that skill set. Yeah, It
0: might might vary based on the position or the company. Mm I've always had really, really good luck with passive candidates. So, again, finding those people who aren't actively looking for a job. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. There are some some success stories from people who are actively looking and apply. Right. I mean, everyone's found themselves looking for another job at one point or another, and it doesn't mean that they're not a good candidate. The, the cool thing is I see it when we go after our passive candidates who aren't actively looking for a job is that you know that really forces us to have a target and an ideal candidate profile because mm-hmm. we can't start reaching out to people and trying to entice them to go somewhere else if yeah. we don't know who we're looking for.
1: Yeah, and, and because that candidate isn't a warm lead um, like active candidates can be, not only do you need to know your profile, but you really are in a position where you're about to sell something to somebody because you're trying to entice them away from a situation that they may currently enjoy so the value proposition of what you have to provide them definitely has to go up. Um, so telling them more about what that job entails or what they're going to get back from that company becomes extremely important.
0: So one of the things I keep telling people, and I get mixed results, I think some people have even got mad about this, is I will tell them that there's not so much a labor crisis as there is a lack of good places that people want to work and jobs people want to do. Um, and that's not to say that the labor market is not difficult and finding talent is not difficult. But I, I, I personally think that companies, large and small, have done a, have done a bad job, I guess, um, keeping up with the times in terms of being a great employer. So, so, yeah, the labor market's tough, but how many companies out there are great places to work, excellent places to work, and then, how many of those places provide jobs that people actually want to do? You know, I know it's I know it's easier and it feels better to say, well, the labor market sucks. But I think companies and employers and leaders, um, managers, I think we need to step up and I guess I guess do a better job creating places people want to work and jobs people want to do. Um, now, in the interest of that, or or in the spirit of that. Um, I guess first my question would be, you know, do you agree? And second question would be, um, before someone starts reaching out to candidates that don't even know their candidates yet, the person doing the recruiting should probably know the company and its offerings really well, in addition to having um, an ideal candidate profile. So we would want to know vision, mission, values, what kind of benefits, um, incentives, bonuses. Um, charitable work mm-hmm. um, if 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 someone's company um, does certain charitable work or provides opportunities for their team members to do charitable work um, you know that's important and that's something that people nowadays are looking for maybe even more than before you know people people want an experience they want work to be part of their life all that kind of stuff um, so maybe talk, maybe talk to that I kind of asked two questions at once but I guess, do you agree with my position that, that employers have a role to play in, in getting better? And then the second question is, or the second part of the question is, um, recruiters or business leaders, I mean, we got to know what we're talking about when we're reaching out to candidates. we got to know what our company has to offer.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so to answer the first part of your question, um, I agree uh, that there's, A lot of companies out there that are not always looking at what they're doing um, as a company to really support their uh, employees in a way that gives them a a longer value proposition outside of really good pay, maybe a few good benefits. Um, I would actually say in addition to that, though, I would add for those companies that are even doing those things that have some really great uh, benefits, incentive programs, uh, charitable you know, giving that they're doing, they are not publicizing it. So a lot of times, too, even if you are doing it, they are undervaluing and under-advertising that so that people know that this is a part of their culture and a part of the, the value proposition for any candidates that want to come aboard. So yeah you should always uh, look at what it is you're doing and I think the interesting part here Mike for me is you can start small I think there's a lot of companies where this is an overwhelming proposition when you say you're not doing it right they want to fix it all at once and uh, the biggest thing that I would say is figure out what you think is going to have the largest impact for the type of employees you're going after the role uh, their demographics Anything like that and then make those things the things that you address first and work your way down the list But it doesn't all have to happen at once and once you are doing it communicate it and communicate it often
0: Yeah, you don't get the you don't get the benefit of all the great things that you've put work into if you don't tell people about
1: Exactly, it. and there's a lot of people that kind of miss out on that to your second question as far as what they're offering and how they're creating that value just to touch on like, the charitable work that you were, you were giving an example of, I think there's a lot of companies that don't quite understand. They think giving back a great thing for them to do, but we don't have time for it or we don't have um, a way to do it or we have nobody to plan it. Uh, and what is a little short-sighted in that is it is an extremely rewarding thing for employees to be able to give back. Um, and right now, with the studies they're doing out there, it's coming back to about 79% of employees prefer to work for a socially responsible company. So if you're not giving back, you're actually missing out on some candidates where that is a huge part of what they want from their organization. And so you're not going to be in the top tier of those people who are out there looking for these employees or trying to entice these employees to your organization. And in this current environment, like you said, while there are plenty of people out there, there's no reason they have to come to you. They're very aware that they have multi- they have more options than they've ever had before to work wherever they want to and kind of demand more.
0: Yeah, I kind of I kind of like the fact that it's a it's a job seekers market because I think mm-hmm. it's making I think it's making companies have to get better in terms of being an employer. Yeah, I do too. Um, Let's talk about the candidate experience and why that matters.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so when we speak of the candidate experience, um, one of the first things that I always like to touch on is that the candidate experience is each and every time you touch them, whether that's um, verbally, whether that's electronically, whether that's through your website or your job postings, every single touch is part of your candidate experience. So making sure that you review those things regularly is important. Making sure that uh, you have a communication plan for your recruiter so people are doing things fairly consistently. Uh, so you can look and analyze that and make tweaks when you need to is important. Uh, follow-through is really important. You never want, just like in, like we said back to the whole sales conversation, you never want a prospective client to be reaching back out to you because you told them you'd call them on Wednesday and you didn't actually follow through. It's the same thing for the employee. You have to make sure that you're setting up expectations and you're following through on those expectations. Even if it's just to communicate to them that you're going to have to get that information back on a different day uh, and resetting up a new expectation, follow through is key. And then I, there's a lot you can go into it, but if I had to hit on a third um, point that I wouldn't want to lose out on for a lot of people, it's have good breakups with your candidates. Not everybody is suitable for your organization. It doesn't make them a bad person. It mm-hmm. doesn't make them a bad candidate. It just means they're not right for that role or they're not right, right for your company because maybe something they're looking for from an organization that you can't provide. So it is really important just to have really good final conversations with your candidates uh, to let them know that you really appreciated their time and effort they put into the experience of trying to see if this was going to be a good partnership and a good role for them and uh, letting them know that you'd love to be able to talk to them in the future if you do have a different position that comes up that you think they'd be perfect for Um, End on a good note there is no reason and the biggest thing for me is it's not just a future opportunity, but it is a way to protect your brand. People these days love to go online and talk about the experiences they had, especially if they were negative. So if you want to try to avoid having that type of, um, you know, item online where you then have to dedicate more time to controlling and, and troubleshooting, then that's one of the ways to prevent that.
0: hmm yeah, I just, um, and you know this story, I just, um, I did a, I don't know if it was a second or third interview um, with an individual at our company who was, or an inter- individual who was trying to become a member of our team, and I know I told you this story and we passed it along to the to the recruiter also, but when I, when I asked the individual if they had any questions for me, um, and I was the second or third person at our company they talked to, so they didn't really have a lot of questions, which was fine. Um, but this individual did want to take time and and just absolutely uh, uh, to let me know that they absolutely adored the recruiter that they worked with Mm -hmm. and you know not just um, you know that she was nice to work with and it was a good experience I mean it it, I could tell it was genuine and I could tell it was authentic and um, just the the experience was so positive and, you know, I know this, but it's not something I think about all the time. And that really reminded me that, you know, the experience doesn't start when someone's hired. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to keep going. You can't stop them. Yeah. But the experience starts in how they apply. You know, mm-hmm. is, is your application long and drawn out and ask a million questions mm-hmm. that, you know, shouldn't be asked that early? Um, do they have to wait three or four days to hear back from you? All of that, but this individual that, that was, that was you know, just, just um, I don't even know what the word is, but very grateful for the recruiter and, and wanted to tell me about the experience. Um, the person told me that, you know, the, the recruiter even reached out after the first interview to see how it went. Reached out after the second interview and wanted to see how it went. Um, I mean, I just think that stuff is so cool, and I think it goes a long way to the... Um, to the whole recruiting experience. And then if that person becomes an employee, the, you know, the experience they have with the company.
1: Yeah. And you touch on something where I think we, as businesses, we put that on the back burner a lot, which is that experience, whether, you know, you're talking about on the employee side or the customer service side, it's really easy to think that somebody is always going to have the time to go back and touch base with that person, but that's why dedicated recruiters, dedicated talent acquisition specialists can be so extremely helpful to an organization is you can then fine tune them to create that level of experience for your candidates.
0: Yeah, which brings us, I guess, to the last point I wanted to make, or last, last question I wanted to present. Um, small company, medium company, I don't know if it matters, maybe even a large company, when does it make sense for a business leader to consider using outside help to do their recruiting?
1: I would say if your recruiting efforts are pulling away, or pulling somebody's focus away from the most important thing, the highest value they have at their company in the role that they're in, you're at a point where you need to find additional help. So um, it's not that you don't have smart individuals who maybe are great hiring managers or even have really great conversations on the phone with them, candidates, as you go along, but that's pulling their attention away from the main reason you, you hired them and um, probably where they're the most talented is in these other areas. So even if somebody can handle that, that time, that, that time piece, which we, we've talked about this before in the past, Mike, you can't get time back. So you know, that being an unrenewable resource that they have, when it's starting to eat that time away from people in your organization that could be doing something else that has higher value, you want to find a way to take that off their plate and give it to someone else.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, another way to look at it is if if somebody can do it better or somebody can do it cheaper, let them do it. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. It was funny. At one point, too, I even um, I know a lot of people who get worried uh, when they're going to outsource something, the biggest concern that they have, too, is what if this, this organization doesn't protect the integrity of, of our company? They don't, they don't take the time to understand our core values or our mission statement or our vision. They don't take the time to you know, understand what our brand is or who we want. Um, what am I going to do then? And it's very interesting to me because while there might be a ramp-up period... Just ask those questions of the person you're about to employ. Make sure those people are going to protect those things for you, um, that they are going to take the time to get to know your organization so that they can go ahead and recruit on your behalf and really be a partner to you um, in an extension of your business rather than you know, somebody who's just out in the world recruiting for the sake of recruiting.
0: Awesome. Well, Heather, thank you. Is there anything else that people should know about this topic before we, before we shut it down?
1: No, I mean, I can't think of anything right off the top of my head. I just appreciate everybody tuning in. We're always happy to answer additional questions if something comes up. So if we didn't answer something you guys like, then feel free to reach out. I'm sure Mike will pass the question along to me, and I'm happy to get an answer
0: over. Yeah, we'll put, we'll put contact information down in the show notes. Um, absolutely, questions, comments, if anyone wants to be connected with Heather, go ahead and check out the show notes. We'll, we'll make that connection. Heather, thank you so much.
1: Not a problem. Thank you for having me, Mike. I appreciate it.
0: All right. Bye. Bye. All right. Hopefully you found today's conversation helpful. If you'd like to connect with Heather and learn more about how her team helps companies find enough of the right people, you'll find links to do so in the show notes. The Results Matter podcast is a production of Business Resources One. BR1 is a talent acquisition, training, coaching, and business solutions firm. We invite you to connect on social media and contact us through our website. We'll put links to connect and contact us in the show notes. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Friends, thank you so much for listening today to the Results Matter podcast.